most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Welcome to episode 181 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. Did you hear how American I sounded? 181. You did. You sounded super American. <laughs> Which is bizarre because we have visitors from the UK, so you should sound more UK-ish. Welcome to episode 181 of Keeping Up With The Joneses. Oh, lovely. Welcome, uh, Keeping Up With The Joneses, like, of uh, episode 181. Very nice. Okay, is that better? Yes, that's better. Well, welcome. This week we're talking all about the need for inner healing. But before we get to that super important topic, AJ, tell me about this week. We had a fun week. It's a full week. Uh, We taught all the students how to teach, how to so how to prepare a message, how to deliver a message, you know, all the components thereof. Yeah, it's so fun. I got to be really nerdy. I love teaching the You got to be really nerdy. I did. You 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 it would be hard to remove the nerdy bit. No, but I love doing all the behind the scenes of how we do what we do. Yeah. Like I I remember my my professor when I was learning to teach his name was Dr. Tom Conlon and he always taught about the importance of making your thinking visible. So most of the time that people hear us teach, they're just receiving the end product. So it's fun to sit with a group of students and say, this is how we get to our end product. This is all the behind the scenes of how we think about preparing a message. This is what we do when we're delivering a message. This is why we sometimes do this. You know, and I I loved it. it. There's something beautiful about getting to share the elements of your craft. Yeah. I had several conversations with students about... Um, the intentionality behind stuff that they thought was random. And I'm like, oh, there's so little of what we do that's random. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're we're almost always up to something or there's a reason. There's something that the Holy Spirit's taught us to do. Right. And there's a reason that we're doing it at the moment we're doing it. But yeah. You know, we were talking about the Masterclass website. You know, I bought you the Gordon Ramsay Masterclass for Christmas. I love, it doesn't really matter what the topic is. I love watching experts at their work yeah, and learning from them. And so it was fun to do an element of that. I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed this week. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the students deliver their messages next week. Same. I'm really, I'm really excited about that. I think it's two weeks away, really. Is it? Uh-huh. I think so. Well, this week they've got dream interpretation. Yes. And then the next week they're up. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely correct. I am soundbiting that and that's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> I'm sure you are, darling. (laughs) No, I definitely am. Um, Talk to us about the Declaration Dinner. It's something we do a lot at Grace Center, and I think it's a beautiful concept. You went to one on Tuesday night. So we've been doing them at Grace Center, different departments and stuff, for a couple of years. And it comes out of just understanding that your words have power and, you know, setting goals and, and giving basically the Holy Spirit something to aim at. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so everybody sort of makes sure that they have a time with the Lord where they pray and they ask the Lord and they journal with Him about what is what does this year look like? Like, you know, what would they like to see happen? What are their goals? What is Holy Spirit saying? All that kind of stuff. And then you have a dinner together and at some point you all kind of sit in a circle and go around the circle and make declarations about what this year is going to be for you. So, I mean, it was really interesting it was interesting on a number of levels. We had some wordsmiths that, you know, crafted beautiful statements that could probably be stitched on a pillow. And then you had people like me that were just like, I will blah, 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 you know? Um, and then there, you know, it would, it would range from, I will lead a hundred people to the Lord this year to, I will learn to deadlift 350 pounds to, you know, I will, 
get healthy or, you know, whatever the things are. And so you all declare it in your community of believers. And then once you're finished your declarations, we all say together, yeah, you know, we agree. So apparently they've done it the last couple of years. And then at the end of the year, they all get together and celebrate all the things that God's done. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. Another highlight this week is our friends Ben and Sarah from Toronto are in town. Yay! Sarah's come in to teach on our school. Sarah's a really gifted dream interpreter. And so she comes in and she teaches our students the process of dream interpretation, gets them interpreting dreams. And then we'll be spending time with our second year students teaching all the advanced dream interpretation stuff that she doesn't have time to fit into first year. Yes. So we always love when they come to town. They're, they're foodies. They're good peeps. And we've enjoyed catching up with them. We've also managed to infect them. They're the second people we've managed to infect in staying in our house. Yes, with Zelda. Yeah, explain. Well, it, well, here's the thing. I think Ben may have come predisposition to infection because he apparently has played every Zelda game on every platform or something like right. that. He listened to our episode that we talked about Zelda a couple of weeks ago. And so he texted me before he got here and he said, just so you know, I've just finished listening to your Zelda episode. I have played every single game <laughs> on every single platform of Zelda. I don't plan on getting any sleep this week. Right. But Sarah was here a couple of days early. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of got to soft launch her into it. And I, it was funny because I sent Ben a text saying, I'm going to get Sarah addicted so that, you know, you guys can play this together. And Isn't Sarah similar to you in that she's not a huge gamer? She is not a huge gamer. She probably didn't have the vitriolic hatred of Zelda that you had. No, but she just wasn't interested, except, you know, the kids were playing, we were playing, you know, whatever. And so she got interested. And so by the first evening, she said, I think I'd quite like to try it, but I don't know all the buttons. And now she wants to be included in the rotation for a turn. So, uh, But the long and short of it is, yes, they went to Best Buy today to pick one up. (laughs) They did. So I think we should be getting some sort of kickbacks from Nintendo. Right, because that's the second guest that stayed in our house and then has promptly left and bought a Switch. So we definitely need some sort of loyalty. Something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, We also discovered a new taco place. Go on. So Sarah and I were at the factory and uh, they're about to open Mojo's Tacos. Uh, where sapphires used to be, right? But for right now, it's on a food truck uh, out front of the factory while the restaurant's being renovated. Yes, and so we were like, "Huh, you know, Sarah's pregnant, so that's my excuse." So I'm like, "Oh, do you need a snack before wait, we wait, go wait, home wait. and eat lunch?" Sarah is pregnant, <laughs> so that's my excuse. Isn't that her I, excuse? I said, "Yeah, you know, like I'm using her as my excuse." Oh, I see. So originally, our plan was, "Oh, we'll just go and grab a taco each, and that will hold us over till we go home and make lunch," kind of thing. Because it was like I don't know, ten to twelve or something. So we went and ordered a brisket taco each, mm-hmm. and. Uh, two things of corn for the girls. And so they ate the corn and kept saying, this is so yummy. This is so yummy. And I'm not joking. I think it's the best brisket taco I've ever had. Possibly the best taco I've ever had, ever. High praise. So good. Based on the volumes of tacos we go through. Right. We eat a lot of tacos. Um, So at that point, here's what I don't understand. How did you know I was there? Because I'm sitting there with a taco in my hand and I'm thinking... Do I buy him tacos or do I go home and make him food, which was our plan? And then you're like, 
you better not come home without bringing me tacos. Like almost like you're I, inside my head. I don't think I was that abrupt. Oh, do you want me to find the text? Sure. It was something like that. I'm, I'm not the only prophetic person in our family. Do you have access to some sort of cameras at the factory that I don't know about? <laughs> no. Did Siri send you a message against yeah. my will? <laughs> as soon as you paid with a credit card, I get a receipt because they use Square. Oh. And it was like, welcome to your first purchase at you know, Mojo's Tacos. And I was like, oh, really? You're trying Mojo's Tacos without me? That is not happening. I'm sorry. I had to. And you I- redeemed yourself by bringing me home Mexican Coke. I did. I brought you Mexican Coke, but sadly, we ordered corn and didn't end up bringing it home. I must have left it on the side or something. I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that. But I brought you home tacos, and were they fantastic? They were. And so Mexican good. Coke, for those of you who don't know, in America, everything seems to be sweetened with high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Which is from the culinary pits of hell. Yeah. And in Mexico, like many other countries, they don't use high fructose corn syrup. They use just cane sugar. Yeah. So the Coca-Cola from Mexico is way tastier than the Coca-Cola in America. Yes. And also doesn't have high fructose corn syrup, but does have sugar in it. Right. I and mean, it's yeah. delicious, though. And it's served in glass bottles, which makes everything taste better. Of course. Which somehow, from the beauty of Coke in glass bottles, leads us to this week's main topic. <laughs> yes. Inner healing. It, <laughs> it leads perfectly from Coke in glass bottles. I don't know. Both are both are examples of the glory of God to me. Okay. Our topic this week comes from a fantastic question asked by one of our listeners. Kelsey wrote in and she said, Hi, Alan and AJ. I love your podcast and listen to it every week. This question is mostly for AJ, I think. Through listening to the podcast, I've only heard small bits and pieces of your testimony, but it seems like the thing that stands out is how healthy you are after having gone through so much. I'm currently in a season of life where so many things are going wrong. It seems that every part of my life is under attack. My family, my work, my health. I've been battling with despair and anger. I've been calling out to God to rescue me or to bring peace to some part of my life. I spend most of my time outside of work reading the Bible and listening to podcasts because many times I don't know if I have the strength to do anything else and I don't know what else to do but cling to his word and promises like I'm clinging to a rope in a fierce storm. It's a daily battle to believe this and many days I don't win this battle of believing that it will ever be better. After hearing that you've been through so much yet now you are so healthy and sometimes don't even remember some of the past events that have occurred in your life, I wanted to ask advice on how you got to where you are. What steps did you take in your life to get from where you were to where you are now? Well, Kelsey, I think I want to start by saying I'm really sorry that you're in such a tough season. Yeah. That sounds really, really difficult. And um, the important thing is, well, one of the important things is to not pretend it doesn't feel as hard as it feels. You know, because actually you can't be real with God if you can't be real with yourself and just sort of assess, actually, this is really hard and I need to break through. When you were talking, um, the verse from Psalm 27, I think verse 13, that says, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living went through my head. And I want to start by saying, you know, God is really no respecter of persons. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. Um, and he loves to heal our hearts. Any place that we're willing to open up our hearts and let him in, let him help us with what's residing there, the pain, the hurt, the anger, that kind of stuff. Um, 
he is so good at knowing exactly what needs to be removed or what needs to be added and, you know, all that kind of stuff to get our hearts to a place where we can not only cope, but thrive. But inner healing or healing the heart, it's it's a fairly long process sometimes. I mean, sometimes God does something or parts of it really quick and other parts of it are a little bit longer. And so some of it is, wow, it's quite the journey, but it's a journey that has a big treasure at the end, you know. And I think it's important to note that I think when you showed up at the church in Toronto, you didn't know what you have today was even possible. I had no idea. I mean, I thought what I needed to do was survive life, and then I would eventually get to die and go to heaven. I mean, that was my big dream. Right. And many Christians are confused about the journey of of being healed. They think that either you just push it out of your mind and quote some scripture to keep it back. Yeah. Or there's kind of really no hope, so you just do the best you can. Yeah. Or you just don't grumble and complain, because that would just be a discredit to Jesus. Mm. And these kind of like various methodologies. Or you medicate, whether it's with alcohol or with busyness or with hyper-religious activity, you know, whatever the thing is. We we will cope somehow with the pain that we have. The funny thing is, everybody... Well, this isn't funny. I was going to say the funny thing is everybody has pain. That's not what I meant to say. It's easy to look at your life, AJ, and say, okay, you grew up um, in a really abusive home. You had cross-addicted parents. Uh, you know, your abuse was so severe, you try to kill yourself very early in life. It's yeah. easy to look at that and go, well, no wonder you had issues. But the truth is, all of us have been hurt in life. Yeah, every single person on the planet. And a lot of us who haven't gone through the trauma that you have tend to think we don't need what we're talking about in this episode. Like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm not like a basket case. I get up. I go to work every day. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But what we don't realize is, how good are we? Like, how much are we managing our pain or covering the pain or ignoring the pain? Or mm. how much are we just in denial that we're even in pain? And I think, too, like, again, you, you reference my childhood and whatnot. And, uh, yes, obviously, I've had a fair amount of pain. But I think pain is pain is pain. Do you know what I mean? Like, one person's pain uh, in in their childhood is as valid as my pain. You know what I mean? And and God wants to meet us in the midst of that and, and free us from that pain. Mm-hmm. So, it, I kind of always thought, like, I will always be defined by everything I've been through. Like that is the sum of me is what I've survived. And, you know, it wasn't really until the revival started in Toronto and I started getting a lot of inner healing and doing like soaking sort of against my will where God would pin me to the floor and stuff like that, you know, where I was like, Oh, like I don't actually have to be defined by this. I remember, I remember the Lord saying to me one day, you can choose to be defined by what you've been through. Or you can choose to be defined by me, but you can't choose both. Mm. And But to choose to be defined by God means you have to let go of all that stuff. And to let go of it, you need to actually give it to him first. Right. So we've talked about a bunch of things, and you've sweepingly said a bunch of statements that mean a lot to me and you, yeah. but might not mean a lot to our listeners. Right. So you said... Uh, you know, I did a lot of inner healing. I'd love to talk to you about what, what, is it, what does it look like for one to do inner healing? That's my first question. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, you know, you have to give, you have to let go, you have to give that to God first. So talk to me about what it means to do inner healing. Talk to me about what it means to let go of what's happened to you and talk to me about what it means to give that to God. Okay. Well, first of all, I guess 
there's a number of different tools that we have in our toolbox of inner healing, as it were, right? Our being grace and our healing. our being churches that uh, specialize in inner healing. Okay. So your your number one tool for working through anything is forgiveness. Right. It's the thing that we need to get the best at. If we want to actually be able to love our neighbors as ourselves and even love ourselves, forgiveness is a key. Right. And it's something that you can use daily and you will use daily. Um, and it gets used on the big stuff and the little stuff, but it's it's powerful. Mm-hmm. We have uh, other tools that we use that are things like you you know understanding what ungodly beliefs are and how to unwind those and you know inner vows and different. There's different um, teachings. sort of teachings and areas where we tend to get stuck, and it's in that stuckness that we tend to lose hope. So. If we can actually, if you can get a hold of, and we can probably point you towards some resources right. uh, in the notes, um, but if you can get a hold of some resources on inner healing and, and actually go and actually get some ministry, get some people to pray for you, um, that will help you a lot because when you get stuck, they don't get stuck. So they're able to kind of help you unwind things. I think we have to back up quite a bit and just say that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just for the forgiveness of our sins. Right. It wasn't It wasn't just the forgiveness of our sins, although if that's all it were, that would be phenomenal. But it was also the healing of all our pain yeah. and all our sickness. Yeah. So in the cross is the provision for us to be made whole. Right. To be made free, free from addiction, free from bondage, free from poverty, free from sickness, free from torment, you know, all these things. Free from depression. Right, yeah. that, that we've just kind of normalized as life. Yeah. And Jesus is like, no, I'd actually like all that stuff. I'd like your hurt and your disappointment and your yeah. your pain, your jealousy, your envy, I your fear. I paid for all of it. I paid I for it. all of it, and I would like that. That's probably the foundation of this concept of what we call inner healing. Physical healing would be kind of outside of the body, although, of course, it happens on the inside if you've got, like, diabetes, for example. But inner healing tends to be talking about the issues of the heart. Right. And and when you're talking about different tools, all you're talking about is revelation from Scripture, like forgiveness, yeah. like repentance. Yeah. Like in Hebrews 14, it says, see to it that no bitter root grows up and defiles many. Like, that actually means something. There are things called bitter roots. Or... The astonishing revelation of this is a, a, a big a big name generational iniquity. The fact that the results of the sins of our fathers and our forefathers, the results of that can actually be passed down and affect children, it is an astonishing revelation. Right. And so when we talk about going for inner healing, it usually means that we're we're either at a conference or we're in a in a prayer session with people who are well versed in understanding these concepts and are equipped to lead us through, usually by prayer, sometimes through deliverance, to actually bring areas of healing to our heart that Jesus has already paid for. Yeah. And I think, honestly, if I could um, if I could script people's inner healing journey, I would, I would want them to really know who the Father is before they head into major inner healing. And and the reason being, you can face anything when you know you're not alone. You know, so um, for me, I, I spent a lot of time letting or getting to know the father, really, you know, letting him in. And, and it, it took me a good while. And, and that had a lot to do with my testimony and stuff. But 
because I started to believe he was good, that he wasn't going to leave me alone and he wasn't, you know, that a bruised reed he wouldn't crush and all the things that scripture says, I started to believe those things. Then I could actually be brave enough to face the pain I'd hidden from and actually start to work it through with people, uh, but also just with God sometimes, just listening to music and the Lord would bring back a memory and, you know, we'd sort of work it through. God, what did you want me to understand during this memory? And, you know, work that kind of stuff through. So um, inner healing is, it's a journey. It, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you'll probably have big sort of leapfrog moments and then you have other stuff that you just keep having to to take a shot at, you know, to hit at until it's um, a manageable place you know mm-hmm. where you can you can fully sort of give it over i don't i you know it's 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 hard to without actually teaching all the different teachings it's hard to say hey just go get some tools but there really are amazing ministries out there that can help you and then there's also amazing teachings that can give you those tools i think it's amazing that a lot of the church somehow by osmosis has arrived at the conclusion that if you feel pain, you're somehow weak. You're not very spiritually mature. Yeah, I think that I've heard that a lot. And and so therefore the goal is to not feel pain or not be offended or not be hurt. So we'll just mature ourselves out of feeling anything, which is terrible theology. Like, like absolutely terrible. Yes. And it also means we can't get healed because we're living in denial. Right. We're not actually talking to the Lord about the areas of our hurt, the areas of our disappointment. And and then we get into the process of sin management. and there's, So that's one misconception. The other misconception I hear a lot in some churches is people love to quote Second Corinthians 5.17. You know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I'm reading that with a little bit of sarcasm in my voice. It's certainly not sarcasm at the truth that's in that scripture. That is absolutely true. I could get into the Greek of it. I'm not a Greek scholar, so I would be on shaky ground. I I like what the New Living... Well, basically, before I get to the New Living translation, the NIV, the concept is, hey, you're a new new creation. Suck it up. Like, nothing should be affecting you. That's certainly how people are using it, That's kind of the... Hey, it's all under the blood. It's all at the cross. Yeah, it's all been done. You know, over here. Old man. It's old man. It's fine. You know, it's like dealing with a three-year-old. Like, oh, oh, oh. Distraction. I have a lollipop. Look, everything's fine. Stop crying. (laughs) And the, the the notion that, you know, once you said the salvation prayer, ding, you know, everything's fine. But I love what the New Living Translation, the way it's rendered, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so there's this process in salvation of the sovereignty of God and the sanctification from God. Sovereignty of God is things just happen instantly. So I've got a friend that when they got saved, they instantly were delivered of cigarettes. They no longer had a craving for nicotine, but they still cussed like a sailor. Right. Right. So, like, what you know, if we're new creation, why wasn't it all taken care of? Right. Well, there's this process of some stuff God does instantly, and then there's this whole concept in Scripture of New Testament believers walking out and working out their faith. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the journey of inner healing. One of, my, one of my favorite verses is Paul writing to the churches in Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and he's writing to church people, to Christians. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, first question is, 
why would Christians need to be told not to grieve the Holy Spirit? Right. Probably because on a regular basis, they were, (laughs) right? So that's fascinating. So how does one grieve the Holy Spirit? It says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. So my second question is, if we interpret 2 Corinthians 5.17 as, hey, as soon as we got saved, everything is, you know, magically changed. Then why do you have to get rid of it? Right. Why, <laughs> why, do, why do Christians still have bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every kind of malice? Right. It's the process of getting rid of all that stuff. You know, bitterness is hurt that hasn't been dealt with. Rage and anger are areas of hurt that we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to heal. Brawling and slander comes from jealousy and, you know, a critical spirit. And so, basically, Paul's just saying, hey, work on your stuff, guys. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Right right there is this, this whole pleading from this apostolic father saying, guys, work on your heart. Allow yeah. the Holy Spirit to deliver to Jesus what Jesus paid for. Right. And the thing that's wonderful about it is Jesus, with what Jesus did for us, made it so you're not doing it on your own, and neither am I. And that's the beautiful thing. It's stunning. But it there's work to be done. There absolutely is. Philippians yeah. 2.12 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There is a process where you allow what Jesus did on the cross to affect your life. That means saying no to certain things and yes to other things. Right. That you know looks like humbling yourself, forgiving one another, etc. Yeah. Or how about Romans 12 verse 2? Killer. Where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. We have to think different thoughts. That's where our declarations come in. Right. And then Ephesians 4, 22 verse 24 says, put off the old man and put on the new. Again, there's this tension to live like we used to and not what's available to us. And I think like in my own life, the joy of being in a culture like Grace Center, where you know Jeff and Becky as our senior leaders are so pro inner healing, yeah. are so into authenticity. They're not trying to be a different version of themselves. They publicly share the stuff that they've struggled with, which creates an environment where we're like, you mean we're not all faking, trying to be amazing Christians? You mean we all get right. to have stuff that we can help with? Where we have people who are whose full-time jobs at Grace Center are to actually help people get whole Yeah, is, is phenomenal. Yeah, I love it. What if you're not at Grace Center? Like, what are some of the resources that are available that would help people in their, in their journey to receiving inner healing? Um, I think if you can find uh, either Restoring the Foundations ministers. I'll put a link in the show notes to those. Yeah. Or Heart Sync ministers. That would be a good uh, first, you know, like starting down the path of dealing with some stuff. Um, Restoring the Foundations is a really in-depth several day session where somebody else is helping you um, sort of deal with this stuff that you don't realize has got you. Or identify the things, identify things you're thinking that are keeping you stuck. Yeah. And helping you process the pain that you might not even acknowledge as pain in your life. Right. And then they also deal with your, you know, the generational stuff like you were mentioning earlier and whatever. So it's it's a great like all over deep cleaning of your house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um heart sync is like 
uh, I don't even know how to describe heart yeah, sync. Good luck it, describing I, heart sync. I don't sync. think I can. Heart sync is usually just like a two hour session or a three hour session. And um, it's just completely Holy Spirit led. Like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And then you just sort of follow the meandering trail of whatever God's doing to unwind something. But usually it's fairly issue focused and it's, you know, dealing with one particular area where RTF is d- doing a much broader stroke kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, they both go together really well. Like I would honestly suggest both. We've, we've done both. Uh, I love both. Yeah. We've done uh, RTF. We've done heart sync several times. Um, and it's really funny because what every time we go for heart sync, I have no idea what God's going to do. Cause I'm not usually going with something. I'm just going saying, Hey God, would you, you know, I'm giving other people permission to look at my heart and, and help me where I might not see what I'm doing or see what's going on. Even uh, I say, even like this is the bottom rung. This, that's not what I mean at all, but even seeing a licensed Christian counselor. Yeah. Is would a, be great. Is phenomenal. I'm in grief counseling at the moment. I'm seeing a wonderful counselor every week. I get to go and for an hour I get to sit and process. And for me, I didn't even think I was in grief. I just went because I was like, ah, eh, you know, I'm having these thoughts without my permission. I should probably just go check that out with a professional. And, right. and he was like, Alan, like you you are in grief, but you're in denial about your grief. And I was like <laughs> Really? Okay. Well, let's let's process that. Like not running from that, not being ashamed of that, is a tremendous help. Hearing the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit talks about forgiving. Um, there's a couple of excellent books I would recommend. You know, if if you're not in a community that is uh, is open to inner healing, some really really helpful books to read. Derek Prince, Blessing or Curse You Can Choose, is a fascinating introduction to the concept of curses. I know that might be a little bit out there for, for some of us, but... It's maybe not what you want to start with. <laughs> it, no, it is, though. It's it just, is. It's, I haven't it's, read it's, it. It's okay. very, very good. Very, very good at introducing that there are outside forces that are affecting the quality of your life and how to deal with that. Yeah. Your book, Finding Father, is going to be an excellent journey into discovering the Father and helping you understand the importance of forgiveness. And it does work through a lot of hindrances and, and things like that as well. Yeah. Right. Neil Anderson's book, The Bondage Breaker, again, right. is just very a good. great step-by-step book through that. Yeah. Um, that was one of the ones I worked through at the very beginning. Right. Was The Bondage Breaker. It was great. John and Carol wrote a book called Grace and Forgiveness. Very helpful. It is, you know, it's not even a big book. It's a very small book um, to work it through. But wow, the tool, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's excellent. Um, If I can think of any more, I'll put them in the show notes. And and I'll put a link to the ministries that that we were talking about. The, The other thing is, this is kind of hot off the presses. I don't think we've announced this yet, but Grace Center has these things called Encounter Weekends. They're a little short, um, highly concentrated inner healing weekends that we do at Grace Center. And previously, they've only been open to our church members, but we're about to very shortly open up to anybody. So even if you're not a member of Grace Center, so if you're within driving distance of Grace Center, check Grace Center's website for when we're doing those encounter weekends and come for a weekend. I mean, the testimonies we get just from people going through a weekend of concentrated inner healing is phenomenal yeah and i highly recommend it have a mini vacation in nashville and have some inner healing mixed in with that genius idea. i think there's one coming up at the beginning of march you could check the dates uh at graycenter.us 
Um, but yeah, they're they're excellent and certainly a great um, first step. And uh, yeah, you'll 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 walk away with a number of tools that will help you actually navigate some of the stuff that you're going through. But to answer Kelsey's question regarding you, yeah, I know that you've been on a like a twenty year journey of yes. inner healing. But talk us through just some of the the major events of what your inner healing journey looked like. Well, I would say uh, to begin with, I spent a lot of time running from God, even though it was being very kind. Like hiding from him. Hiding from him and, you know, just kind of almost surviving him as well, not realizing I didn't have to survive him. Right. You know, Uh, and then when the renewal started in Toronto, it was it was really hard because of how strong the presence of the Holy Spirit was to hide from God. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it ended up being like most nights, everybody would get prayer. And, you know, when you just keep getting prayer, the Lord just keeps doing stuff. So I spent a lot of time, um, you know, just lying on the floor, sometimes just because I lied down so I didn't have to worry about sitting up while processing with the Lord, Um, or even just putting on soaking music in my apartment and lying there and just inviting God to come and heal my heart. And uh, he would do amazing things, like he would bring back memories, or he would just talk to me about different things, and it was that still small voice, just that had so much life on it, I knew it wasn't mine. So that would be, you know, how it all kind of started. He was very gentle and very kind, and you know, occasionally if there was things that I wasn't letting go of, uh, he would bring a slightly stronger messenger along to say, hey, have you thought about, you know, to kind of challenge me and go, I'm like, oh, okay, yes. Um, and then, of course, the message of the Fatherhood of God probably brought the most healing for me. Once I could work through forgiveness, let go of my dad, start to work through some stuff with my family and really know that God was in the process with me and that I wasn't alone and that he had a good plan for me, then it it got easier. So... You know, I just sort of headed in that direction, and and I got counseling um, from Christian counselors. Um, I did encounter weekends. I did tons of encounter weekends. If there was an opportunity to go and serve, I went and served so I could hear it again. Mm. Um, and you know, I and I, you know, we we had services every night of the week, but I just showed up for everything I could show up for, and tried to stay as open to God as I could in the moment that I was in, you know, you had your days where you're better at that other days where maybe I'm a bit more tired or more grumpy, but just sort of trying to be as real as I could and let God do what he wanted to do. But the important thing I think is you were in a culture and an environment that valued inner healing. Yeah. So everywhere you went, yeah, that your leaders were well versed and saturated in the value of having healed up heart. Yeah, and I could be honest about what I was going through and I could get prayer for what I was going through without anybody judging me. I never felt judged for any of the things that I felt, and I felt a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, having having people around you that have tools to help you when you get stuck is very valuable. It all comes down to Proverbs 4.23, where it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. If your heart is not whole, your life will be broken. Yeah, it's well worth the effort. And it, and it's probably going to be a process because it is for most people. But I want to encourage you, whoever you are, you know, not just Kelsey, but everybody who's listening, stay in the process. It's worth right. it. And honestly, I often think 
I cannot believe that I feel the way I feel about life. I, I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm living out my destiny. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, all these things that I didn't even hope for. I mean, I didn't even know to hope for. I just thought, I just got to make it till I finally get to die, you know? Oh my gosh. And I know it's depressing, you know? But so when I look back on that, I'm like, God, you're so good and you're so faithful and you're so kind and you didn't leave me where I was, but you picked me up and you helped me along and you, he didn't give up. I mean, lots of times I wanted to give up. He didn't give up on me. He's not going to give up on you either. So my encouragement is stay in the process, get help in the process, believe God, and just keep walking forward into the love that he has for you. I love that. So I hope that's an encouragement to everyone. Go after all that Jesus has paid for. He wants you to have as much of him as you can possibly get. And the reason he stretches you is to fit more of him in you. Unrelated. But But sort of related. But very related. (laughs) We also have the privilege of overseeing an amazing school. It's an eight-month school here in Franklin, Tennessee, called the School of Supernatural Life. One of the major focuses of the school is having a healed up heart. Yeah. Because it's true. You've heard it said before that healed people heal people, hurt people hurt people. We don't want people who can interpret dreams and heal the sick and prophesy if they're full of owies. Yeah. And so our school, the eight-month school here in Franklin, Tennessee, is designed to bring healing to areas of your heart you may not even recognize need healing. And the testimonies from our students of a transformed life are amazing. We would love you to be one of those students. If you go to gracecenter.us slash school, you will learn all about the school. You can watch testimonies from students of how their lives have been transformed, and you can apply to do the school. Our applications are currently open. We will be closing our applications in June, but school starts in September of this year. We run every September through April. We would love you to pray about coming and spending eight months and seeing the transformation that Jesus would bring in your life and that would end up transforming your family, your work environment, your community, and your culture. Again, go to gracecenter.us slash school for more information about that. And if you want the show notes for this week's episode with all the links to everything we've talked about, head over to alanandaj.com slash 181. And if you're not a subscriber to Keeping Up with the Joneses, click on the link in our show notes to subscribe and get free weekly updates every Monday, a brand new episode, and browse our archive of more than 180 topics from our past episodes. For now, we pray that you have an amazing week, and we will be back here same time, same place next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being 
There's something here for everyone